0: of a special guest on the podcast today an original sales influencer from linkedin this man has built an impressive community around his expertise and honesty and just the list of companies he's advised for is longer than most people's shopping lists so i'm excited to learn more about the origins of the beast the one the only scott Lees. what's up micah thanks for having me man. Of course, brother. And just I should have said this at the beginning. Everyone screws up my name first time. Uh. Mika. Yeah. Wow. Right? My I mom don't think
1: I've ever I don't think I've ever heard that pronunciation. And you never and you never warned me beforehand. But then again, it's my bad for not doing research and
0: figuring that out. So all of you. I appreciate that, man. It's not your fault. It's my mom's. That's how I always Yeah, always I, I definitely would blame your mom. I agree. 100%. I found out actually during COVID 2020 that on February 2020, she was like, I read your name in the Bible. And I was like, that's Micah. And I was like, oh, that's that's cool, I guess. That's fine. I'll just roll with that for the rest of my life. So now, Scott, we want to start every guest off with a flex here. So just flaunt your stuff, man. What are you professionally or personally proud of um, this year, or past couple of years?
1: Well, you know, I I started... I went full-time on my own right before the pandemic. So it was uh, October 2019. So I have now been doing this for four years, which I'm pretty proud of for a number of different reasons, surviving the pandemic, number one, and uh, going through economic like turmoil or whatever the heck we're going through. But also, and most importantly, four years is the longest I've ever held one job concurrently. So, I broke my own record. <laughs> I, yeah, I just had to end up working for myself in order to do it.
0: it sounds like a salesperson to me, man. <laughs> That's across the board here. Cool. So, now you, your role for yourself, you're a consultant, right?
1: Yeah. I, I run my own sales consulting uh, firm. We, we kind of work primarily with like series A, series B companies, help everybody. Uh, find better ways to go to market, run sales playbooks, work on messaging, rev ops processes. I help with recruiting, training, partnerships, all this kind of stuff. And uh, I also run two other companies. I run a company called Surf and Sales. It is a micro sales conference down in Costa Rica where I combine surfing with sales and training and networking and stuff like that. Run that uh, two to three times a year. And then I run a revenue community called GTM United and uh, do some different sales training there. You might've seen on LinkedIn, some of these sales reaper AI videos that my
0: team and I put together. <laughs> yeah, So, uh, yeah, three businesses uh, at once right now. Cool, so like that's a lot on your plate. So when people have a lot on their plate, my first question is just like, what does your day-to-day look like? Like How do you juggle all those things going on?
1: I mean, it's pretty chaotic, to be honest with you. I was up at um, 5.30 this morning, I'm a single dad right now as well for the last year and a half or so. So um woke my kids up, get them ready for school, practice, whatever. Try to find time to deal with my dogs, get myself ready for the day. And then, you know, I'm up and at them, like working, working by 8.30, 9 o'clock or so. So then I'm in meetings till <laughs> six. six. Most yeah. every most every day. And, uh, you know, little breaks here and there. Not, not nonstop, but pretty long. But on Fridays, I stop working at noon in terms of, like, taking calls with other people. So if there's a lot of stuff I have to do on my own, I've got some quiet time to do it. And if, you know, I can get some downtime and go relax or whatever, um, I try to spend my time doing that. But I'm kind of always on, man. You'll catch me doing work related stuff at 10 o'clock at night. You'll catch me doing stuff on the weekend. I'm I'm cramming it in when I can. Interesting.
0: So like, I've heard, I've talked to a few people and like, I, would you consider yourself, it's an entrepreneurial journey that you're on kind of, right? Yeah, yes. I, I think that's, I mean, I think it's very accurate, you know? Cool. So like, when you're doing that, even though you're working a ton, like I know as a salesperson, when I was working, hours on hours on hours there was like a level where the satisfaction stopped happening so for you do you feel like that you are continuing no matter how much you're working because it's your own thing you're still getting that same satisfaction
1: no i don't think um but maybe for different reasons than than other people might have have told you I, i don't think i've heard this stat before that's like Once you earn more than $70,000, your happiness quotient doesn't go up. That's the most ridiculous bullshit stat I think I've ever heard in my life. Um, You add another zero, maybe, and I would believe you. Add two zeros, and then I definitely would believe you. Uh, I I don't buy that. I just think that for somebody like myself, I have a short attention span, right? And so if I'm not continuously working on something new and different it could be a different project uh different company or something like that if i'm not doing something once or twice a year that is new different taking a big risk then i start to feel stagnant and i get bored right Interesting. and you know you would think oh you, you do consulting like every project is different and yeah there's nuances and it's different but you know what It's the same fucking thing every time, really, when you think about it. It's like somebody has this problem. They're not selling the right way. They're not growing and scaling. And, you know, you're more or less diagnosing things and you have this way that you've historically proven to work. And so you put people through that process and then, you know, the engagement wraps and then you're finding new ones to work. It's not that much different than being a sales rep when you're 22 years old, just getting started and you're like, okay, I got to, you know prospect today, and then I'm going to follow up with some people, and then I'm going to close some deals, and then the month is over, and fuck me, I got to start over at scratch from zero again. You know, so my dad used to tell me that they call it work for a reason, son. That's what he used to say when I would complain. They call it work for a reason, son. So it is hard, I think, no matter who you are, to stay invigorated by the work that you do no matter how much you're earning, I think there is moments where you are bored or you would like to do something else or you imagine your life you know, a, different, a different way. I think there's obviously people out there who don't feel the way that I do, but I'm just telling you my truth and my experience.
0: No, and I appreciate that because that's like unbelievably refreshing to hear. So like, how do you maintain, cause you're doing so much shit. Like how do you maintain that motivation?
1: Well, doing so many different things is part of the motivation, right? Because like I said, I get bored. So, you know, I had to try this surf and sales business. I had to try this GTM United community. I had to try this AI training video. I ran this company for three years called Thursday Night Sales until I ran out of gas. You know, with that, I've I've written three books. I've done angel investing. I'm in. LP and a venture uh, capital fund. So I do private coaching and training. I mean, so I'm always, damn, I'm doing things to keep myself going. And each new thing brings about a little bit of a spark of motivation, which is helpful because that motivation carries over into some other thing that maybe you're not feeling super passionate about at the moment. And you know, I think it, it always has to come back to your why. And why, why are you here? Why are you working so hard? What are you pushing for? What do you want to do? And if you know anything about me and my story, I spent the early part of my 20s hospitalized for four years fighting a life-threatening illness. And, you know, nice. I, got out, I got out of that experience um, kind of feeling like I was shot out of a cannon, right? It's like, I got to make up for lost time. The rug could be pulled out from under me at any moment, and I could lose everything. So I'm not here to waste time, squander opportunities. I'm here to try to do something special, change my life, change the lives of those people around me, and, and leave behind a little bit of legacy. So what is my motivation? Like, what's not my motivation is a better question. Damn.
0: Hell yeah. Awesome, man. I didn't know that about the origin of Scott. I didn't know that you started with such a bumpy beginning. So like, let's dive into that. Like, you said your early 20s you were hospitalized. And then from there, like what was the first thing you did when you were able to start doing things again?
1: Yeah, that that's my uh that's my journey into sales. You know, you I'm not one of these people that I don't know, had a lemonade stand when they were a kid (laughs) and and had an entrepreneurial kind of spirit early on. I I was an athlete growing up. That was what I cared about. I played two sports in college. I studied psychology and religion in college, not because I knew what I was going to do with those degrees, but because they were the only things that were interesting to me at the time. And then I didn't go get a job after college because I didn't want to work. And so I did the only sensible thing, which is go to grad school. Nice. so I went and I got went a master's degree and uh, I came home after the the summer of getting my master's degree. It was right before my 23rd birthday. And I just fell super, super ill and I couldn't figure out what was going on for a long time. I lost like 60 pounds in six weeks. Jeez. My organs started failing and it turns out I had a couple autoimmune diseases and one of them was called ulcerative colitis. Just let basically I, I ended up just being hospitalized for the majority of 4 years. I had nine major surgeries, four life-saving uh, abdominal surgeries, two of which were emergency life-saving surgeries. I'm talking about where they brought the priest into the hospital to say a blessing over me. And my mom collapsed and fainted in the hospital room because they told her that they didn't think I was going to make it. All that stuff turned into a scare with colon cancer and a bunch of other things, uh, you know, just started stacking on top of each other. So I finally get healthy and I am addicted to opioids now because I've been sucking down narcotics for four years in the hospital. So I had to kick off dope So now I'm 27 years old, I'm quote unquote healthy. I've never had a fucking job in my life that didn't involve getting paid to play sports or coach sports. (laughs) And I didn't know what to do, but I thought, man, I have fought like hell to be out here breathing this fresh air right now. Like whoever, wherever I can get a job, whoever takes a chance on me, like they are not gonna regret it. And I had a, a college tennis teammate who was in sales and had done quite well. And, you know, I'm like, this motherfucker is making 200 grand. What? Come on, man. <laughs> I'm like, maybe I could do sales, you know? So <clears throat> I, I found a, you know, super small startup to, to go try my, my hand at sales at. Didn't need any sales experience or anything like that. And the rest is history. You know, I got pretty good at it pretty quick and advanced into a sales leadership and you know, never kind of, never looked back. Went from sales leadership to entrepreneurial stuff. And
0: yeah, that's how I got
1: into sales, man.
0: Rocky road. That's so awesome, dude. I love people that just accidentally get into it. You got it into it because you were seeing your friend just be successful with it. Oh, excuse me. And those are just, those are my favorite kind of stories. And yours is specifically like that was really cool i was i was feeling that i was feeling very cool
1: to go through
0: (laughs) wasn't very cool to go through the outcome the outcome has you know
1: been been fun and and i think that the story you know when i take my time and tell it the right way i think it is kind of inspiring to some people you know because i'm not one of these people that had a silver spoon in my mouth I didn't go to Stanford or some Ivy League school. I don't have a trust fund. I don't wear Patagonia vests and put gel in my hair. I, I'm, I'm not one of these MBA kids, right? I was not. not groomed to be this. I'm just somebody that um, happened to not have any other options and who had been through absolute hell And therefore, I had resilience and I had drive and I had urgency and I had competitiveness. And, you know, I just found a way to make things happen. And in my experience, people who have gone through stuff like that have often
0: proven to be some of the best salespeople that you can run into. Damn. Yeah, man, I mean, like, I feel inspired talking to you. Like, I'm ready to run through a wall. If you told me to, <laughs> told me to jump through a hoop, I'd do it, even if it was on fire. Like, damn. Yo, there, there we go. It was awesome. So now, I want to know, that first job you got right after everything hit the fan, the first, what were you selling? Like, what were you doing?
1: Yeah, I remember, I was selling online lead generation tools and services to real estate agents and automotive dealers. Damn. Yeah, this is uh, 2004, I believe. Interesting, and yeah, how long 20, were you doing that for? for uh, so I was actually only an individual contributor for about eight months or so as a salesperson. I It took me, I was the last person of my hiring class to close a deal. So <laughs> I was convinced on the very first Friday I was there that I was gonna be fired after five days. I had convinced myself that that was gonna happen. Um, and I I happened to close a deal that first Friday and something clicked and so by month two I was a number one salesperson in the company and then I just started breaking record after record after record uh, and then they moved me into a sales management role that team started producing at a really high level then they gave me a second team before you knew it I was managing you know a lot of people and uh, you know all my jobs after that were like. VP of sales, VP of sales, VP of sales, SVP of sales. Damn. So, fun fact is I was only a, a full cycle account executive for like eight months. What the hell,
0: dude? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's awesome. But then how did you go from, like, I guess the hurdle, the first question is because you go from individual contributor and then you go immediately to management and then you become VP. Like that jump isn't easy, especially it's like your second year in sales, third year in sales. Like, how did you make the jump from manager to VP enough to want people to keep hiring you to be a VP? I don't
1: have a good answer to that other than I just jumped. You know, I was betting on myself. Um, I didn't, it wasn't like I was following some playbook or pedigree. This was way before Everybody was sharing stories on podcasts and on LinkedIn or YouTube or whatever. There was kind of fuck all as far as research, right? There was some books if you wanted to take the time to read these old school books, but I didn't want to take the time to read any of those things. So I just leaned on what I knew, you know, and I I had been in sports, at least I had been in leadership roles my whole entire life, you know, had no problem kind of speaking up and galvanizing the team. And, and my dad was a professor and a teacher for 40 years and I had coached sports. So I felt like I had a little bit of a teaching kind of DNA. And so I just went to my team and was like, this is what's working for me. And then I would spend tons of time with them. Right. I would learn all about them, what's going on in their lives. What are they struggling with role play a million times with them, help them close deals I I was not one of these managers that looked at spreadsheets all day long or looked at dashboards all day long, right? The way I looked at it when I was managing is I had to be like a great white shark. And if you stop swimming, you die. And so I would literally just walk around the floor all day, right? Not get stuck at my computer because then I felt like I'd just get sucked into some bullshit that upper management wanted me to deal with, right? And so, you know, that play worked really well. And then when I got moved into a VP of sales role for the first time, and I had to start thinking strategically about stuff. You know, I, I would say that I got lucky a bunch of times. I think I did a really good job of hiring people. That That is something, you know, like I was saying before, I kind of dug in and would try to find people who had been through some hell and who were really appreciative of an opportunity rather than somebody who was like, well mika i've been in sales for 25 years and i know what to do it's like no way man i'm hiring like an ex-felon
0: <laughs> and i'm
1: hiring i'm hiring this newly divorced single mom who used to work on a farm these are the people that i'm hiring and betting on and developing and so I, I would end up you know helping them improve and then i'd take them from one job to the next and so i'd kind of have some like Anchor tenants at each of these new jobs of people that I knew were really good, that I could trust, who knew my system and everything like that. And you know, just kind of started improving on how I would build things every single time. Right. So that's the best it's, I can tell you. Your sales floor sort of sounds like it was awesome. <laughs> like that. Yeah, I mean, there, there, you know, there's a lot of fun, fun, funny stories, and um, you know, people. I think people either really loved working for me or they really hated it and they ran away pretty quick. There was not much in between, right? Because the things that I've been through in my life, I have very little tolerance for people who don't give a shit and who are just going through the motions. Right? So if you're one of those people, like I didn't want you on my team, you know, I'm here to, I'm here to challenge you. I'm I'm here to ask you, you know, what are you willing to do that you've never been willing to do before up until right now and why? And, you know, we get into that and I'm going to help you get there. Right. So, you know, we had, we had a lot of fun together. I push people pretty hard, but ultimately, you know, they experienced success and that, that keeps people coming back. You know, when you get these messages from people that says, you know, I want to come work for you again. I never made as much money as when I worked for you or these messages I get 20 years later that are like, Hey man, I'm running my own sales org right now, and I just want to let you know, like, you were kind of a dick back then, but now I understand. <laughs> I get it. I'm grateful for it. You know, those messages uh, are kind of fun to
0: to receive. That's awesome. Like, are you ever gonna go back to that world? Do you think? Or are you gonna stick with the journey you're on? Like, because it sounds like you were a killer. Like, I I I want to work for you. Like, I get it. I get the energy. Yeah. The thing about it now is it
1: doesn't make any financial sense. Damn. That's the that's the difficult part, one of the difficult parts about thinking about going back. You know, if you're an early stage VP of sales, you're gonna make, I don't know, 300 to 500K, depending on where you're at, what you sell, and how good you do. Let's call it 400K, just for the hell of it, right? And maybe you're going to get 1% equity that maybe is going to be worth something in 10 years. Okay. So when you've been around as long as I have and done as many things as I have, I've been running my own business now for four years, replicating 400 K in income is not hard. I did that in Q1. So I start to, I get asked all the time, like, hey, do you wanna come back and, and you know, be our CRO or whatever? I'm just like, dude, financially, like you can't afford me. It wouldn't make any sense. So there's that part. And then there's the other part, which is like, do I really wanna sign up to having a boss again? And a boss who most likely at this point is like half my age, who has <laughs> never sold before or built and scaled an organization. And the only reason to think about doing it really is like this dream of, well, what if you own 1% or more in this company that is worth like hundred billion billion one one day? That's the only thing. And you logically, you know, the odds of that are slim to none, but it does tease you every now and then and tempt you. But, you know, you don't need to worry about like a million or $2 million payout. 10 years from now from equity when you're making a couple million dollars a year working for yourself. So I think the only way I go back to being a, a CRO or a VP of sales candidly is one of two things has to happen. Um, number one, my business has to completely crater and collapse. That's number one. So I'm hoping that day doesn't, doesn't show up anytime soon. Number two, I think the only thing that could happen is I'd have to have a really good friend of mine come to me with a really, really large opportunity and, and kind of tug on my heartstrings a little bit, as well as my ambition, and uh, and kind of ask me to help them build this thing out. But I really don't see it happening. The odds are much more likely that I try to build my own software company as a founder if I was gonna pivot away from what I'm doing right now. Interesting.
0: And that's what I was gonna ask, because it sounds like you, if anything, it's that's the direction that you'll probably head. You'll make your own SaaS and try if, to build it. If.
1: If I pivot and do something else. Because, you know, building a software company or a hardware company or whatever kind of company, that is hard, man, very, very hard. You know, you can bootstrap the thing, that frees you of some obligations and challenges, but it also creates a whole slew of problems. You could go fundraise, raise venture money. That frees you of some things, but creates a whole slew of problems. And you've really got a boss above you, even though you're the CEO at that point in time. Right. Um, And, you know, the amount of work required, the amount of stress that somebody goes through. I'm 46 years old. I can't really, I don't know if I want to work that hard anymore. You know? I don't know if I want to work 90 hours a week building a software company just so I can maybe sell it for a few hundred million and net 30 million, 40 million on my own. I don't really know if I, I don't really know if that's the life that I am interested in moving forward. I'm pretty, I'm pretty comfortable
0: doing what I'm doing right now. That's, that's the sense I'm getting, especially cause like you're doing so well. Like I don't, like I, you'd have to, you have to, you'd have to rip me out of where I am. It's have to, if I'm making what you're making, you'd have to rip me out of whatever situation I'm in to go do something brand new and start from scratch. Like, just doesn't make sense, but it's very cool to hear your perspective on all this information. So I appreciate you being so. Yeah, candid with me. Forward. So now the big thing I want to know is like, personally, I know part of your story is part of your success, but like, what do you consider like your, like where your, like where your success comes from? Like what are the main keys to it? Do you think that?
1: Main keys to my success. Um, Well, I think I'm certainly extremely competitive and extremely driven. I think I've managed to be very efficient and effective with my time. I don't get distracted very easily. If I say I'm gonna do something, I get it done, I lock in on it. So I'm able to move fast. You know, there's the famous quote, move fast and break things. But now I think I'm able to move fast and not break anything, which is better. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've done a very good job, I think, of of building a strong network, um, you know, both kind of online and offline. I think I have 107,000 followers on LinkedIn right now. Um, You know, I've managed to build communities. I've got business partners who help me in each of my businesses. Excuse me. Um, And I think I just this I just keep going back to this, like resiliency and this sense of urgency. You know, I don't sit around. All day, like waiting for something to happen. I don't sit around all day being super comfortable with you know, what I've just gotten done, you know, if I earn a buck, then tomorrow I want to figure out how do I earn two? Um, And I don't need somebody hollering at me in my ear to, to remind me of that. I'm just built that way on my own. So, and you know, now I've, I've got a lot of experience. I think I've seen a lot of different things, been there and done that a lot. I've got a good process that I stick to. And uh yeah, that's, That's the best best I can
0: give you, I think. That that was all phenomenal. And then, like the last thing before we wrap everything up, because I think if someone's like, I've had people reach out to me that are in sales that are listening to this, and have people that are in sales that are listening to this. So, like, if you had to give advice to someone like just looking to make a career change, looking to jump into the entrepreneurial journey, whatever the advice that you have is, what would it be? Hmm.
1: Perhaps controversial advice, but. If, you, if you're if you just getting started, then I think you need to go all in and have no distractions, you know, just kind of make the main thing the main thing. You know, if when I first got started in sales, I tried to run these other businesses and tried to run a podcast and all these different things, I think I would have failed. But then the longer you're involved in sales or sales leadership, I think it starts to switch and you actually have to start diversifying and you have to start having some different streams of income and balance things out, whether it's to safeguard yourself from layoffs and changes in commission structure or whatever, or if you just need to scratch the itch of boredom, right? So you don't totally have to jump ship from one job to the next every six months. Um, I think that that's something to really think about. And and I think the right time to make a switch, for me at least, was when the side things matched the income level of the main thing. When that happened for me, that was when I knew it's time. Like, I can leave now. I wasn't somebody who was just going to leave the main thing and step it out tomorrow and be earning zero. I wait, I was earning, you know, almost a half million dollars a year as a VP. I waited until I was also earning almost a half million dollars on the side. And then I said, fuck it. I don't need this W-2 thing anymore. I'll go all in on my own. And I, I think that could be something that's a helpful tip for, for people, right? You know, let's say you're a sales rep. You're making 150 k right now. If you can find ways to monetize your skills or get involved in some other businesses could be a vending machine business could be a laundromat business could be books courses coaching i don't care what it is but once you get those two things matched and you're making 150 on your own plus 150 from your w2 i think it's time to think long and hard about Well, what if you drop the w2 went all in on yourself could you Get back that one hundred and fifty that you lose from the W two and more, and come out ahead and run your own show. So that's the advice that I think that I would give. Think think about that more than just like, oh, I'm gonna, I need to change today. And you step into this new thing and you've got nothing coming in. That's very dangerous and very scary. I think. God damn, bro!
0: So many good sound bites, man. That was awesome. Uh, Go <laughs> think- back
1: in time. We going to go back in time and hire you as one of my, uh, one of my salespeople.
0: <laughs> I appreciate that, man. I, that is a huge compliment for me. That is a huge compliment. I, I have loved this fucking conversation. I didn't mean to curse there. It just came out. Um, Scott, I do all the time. It's fine. So Scott, thank you for coming onto this podcast. I know you're super busy. Thank you for talking about us, sharing your nuggets of wisdom. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. You too, man. Enjoyed it. Thank you, man.